Welcome to the Evolution Exchange UK podcast. We're bringing together the best sustainability leaders to talk about the industry passions and challenges they are facing. I am Drew Percival from Evolution Recruiting Solutions, and I help businesses grow and connect with talent. And today, I am your host. Today, I am joined by Astrid Wynne Rogers at TechBuyer, Dr. Michael Nates at Multiverse Consultants, and Melissa Wellings at Harwich Haven Port Authority. Today, our topic will be the difference between ESG and sustainability. Astrid, would you like to give a little introduction? Hello, my name is Astrid Wynn. I am Head of Sustainability at a company called TechBuyer. TechBuyer works in the IT sector and sells sustainable IT solutions. Um, that means uh, that we look at component level upgrades, uh, ethical ways of disposing of your IT equipment for reuse or recycling, and also energy efficiency. Um, I'm a chartered environmentalist through IEMA um, and I give training on sustainability for our internal teams and our external partners. Thank you. Michael, would you like to give a little introduction? Yeah. Hi. Thanks, Drew. I'm Michael Nitz and thank you for inviting me. I have my own company called Multiverse Consultants and I've been working uh, both corporate as an NGO and an advising consultant for about 30 years in this field. I've seen a lot of things change and a lot of things not change, and I'm happy to share my viewpoints. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Um, Melissa, would you like to give us a little introduction? Yep. Hello. Um, I'm Melissa Wellings, um, the Environment Social Governance Director uh, at Harwich Haven Authority, um, so responsible for um, developing and integrating um, the Authority's ESG strategy. Um, the Authority is one of the UK's largest trust ports and it um, covers jurisdiction of approximately 150 square miles. Um, and the organisation runs 24-7 operation 365 days a year where pilotage services are provided to visiting vessels um, and vessel traffic services and also responsible for the maintenance of the Haven's navigation channel. So basically bringing all the goods in um to the country to port of felix today um and yeah the operations are essentially also in a very highly environmentally sensitive location um important areas within the stoa and all well estuaries um and uh yeah my background um i've been in environment management and sustainability for around the last 13 14 years now um and covered a range of sectors projects and organizations um delivering environmental and sustainability requirements fantastic Thank you. So today we've agreed and picked a topic of the difference between sustainability and um, ESG. That's quite a large field when we're looking at sustainability. So I think the best way to start the care conversation would be to really try and define, first of all, what sustainability and what ESG is. Who would like to start on what is sustainability? Um, I'll take that because it's part of the training. <laughs> um, so <laughs> sustainability um, is defined as meeting the needs of the present without compromising the needs of the future. Um, what that means is that you're trying to develop the entire world up to um, the basics that they need socially, so access to good education, access to food, water and everything, without exceeding the planetary boundaries, so without breaking the planet in the process. Um, and that for me is sustainability. How do you do those two things simultaneously and what levers can you pull to make it as effective as possible? Thank you. Would anyone like to add to that de definition? 
I'll dive in here. Typically, sustainability is known as also as the triple bottom line uh, from John Elkington, um, which is you need to try balance as best you can. There's always tension, but balance the social needs, the environmental needs, and the economic needs of a, an organization, project, or uh, entity. Uh, or it's called people, planet, and um, people, planet, and profit. Uh, and so it's this this challenge of living within the carrying capacity of uh, the natural world that we have on our planet. Fantastic. I'll remember that, the three Ps. Mm-hmm. Melissa, anything else to add? Um, no, I, I think um, a lot of that will be probably covered by the um, kind of the comparisons, really, with the ESG um, and them being used interchangeably, because um, I think for me, it's, it's starting to also look at when we talk about sustainability, sustainability could be looked at in different senses. But if we're looking at a business sense, um, to be truly sustainable, we need to have um, the impact that goes with that. Um, because there's lots of organisations that do claim to be sustainable. You can have policies and you can be balancing those needs. But actually um, delivering and measuring that impact, um, you can then demonstrate that you're a truly sustainable organisation or individual, um, and, and I think it's a term that can be um, kind of loosely used now, and uh, especially with the greenwashing that's creeping in, that um, it's really important to to actually demonstrate that you have balanced those needs, but measure in a measured way. Fantastic. So I suppose that that brings to the other viewpoint that, or, or the other piece that we're looking for is what is ESG? Would you like to elaborate? Michael. So ESG is a uh, concept that was first used by the United Nations Principle for Responsible Investment, PRI, in 2005. It's a risk management perspective. And as if I'm investing into an organization like Melissa's or Astrid's, what would I want to know about that organization that um could be affecting it from an environmental, social, or governance perspective. So it's risk-based. It's not particularly looking at, you could say, the carrying capacity of the the planet, although that is underneath it. And so it has a different, um, yeah, perspective and what it's trying to achieve. I'm curious to hear my my, my companions' thoughts and then we can get into discussion. Astrid, would you like to jump in? Um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> for us, we're a relatively small organisation. I'd say ESG is questions that we get asked by other people and sustainability is something we do from the inside out. Uh, it's much easier for us because we're smaller and we all know each other. Um, I think for a larger organisation, I'm curious to hear Melissa's views here. It might be two at the same time because you're dealing with internal stakeholders and external stakeholders. You don't know everybody and their families and their kids. Similarly, it might be a slightly different experience in a larger organisation. Yeah, uh, I think yeah, in terms of um, the larger and smaller organisations, I've worked in larger organisations where you have you know, 6,000 um, employees and obviously you can get around face-to-face um, checking everybody's interest in these topics on, on that account. I'm currently working in quite a small organisation, so it is quite easy to compare. Um, but I, I think you've got the luxury when you are in a small organisation, when I say luxury in inverted commas, um, of starting to understand what makes 
certain people kind of interested or tick in those areas and then bring them on that journey to start getting their buy-in and and also engaging them in that process which I think helps especially when as we were talking about ESG in terms of measuring um, and demonstrating how you're um, covering both environment, social and governance factors when you're getting asked by supply supply chain, it can become a bit of a tick box. So when you've got those tangible examples that you, you've actually done something that's got a narrative behind it as opposed to just a metric or a, a policy document, which is great because obviously you need the paperwork in place, but to actually demonstrate that you're living and breathing it and it's implemented is really key. Um, uh, you can do that with um, larger organisations as well, but I think it just makes it a little bit more personal when you do have um, smaller teams or smaller organisations um, and you can embed things a lot quicker um, in theory. Um, I think the for me, the, the ESG piece, it, it can become a bit of a tick box exercise if you don't have um, that kind of real tangible um, examples that, often come with the costs associated. So I think organisations, when they're on this journey, um, really need to ensure that they've got the funding behind it and it's not just the, the narrative um, you, you truly have committed to resourcing appropriately both with people and um, and the money. Um, otherwise, it becomes a bit more challenging to, to deliver on that. It's not just um, the investment cost in there, it's their own value now is being with ESG, isn't it? And sustainability is, is, is one area that I think is being a lot more noticed now, the value of the company and the their focus on both ESG and sustainability is in intrinsic to their own value of an organisation in that sense. Are you guys experiencing anything there at this moment in time? Do you, you want to give us a, a bit of a viewpoint of why it's important for your organisations or how that journey is going at the moment? Uh, Liz, go on, Astrid. Um, yeah, um, for me, it, it's, uh, it's a bit of a, an ever-tightening knot of bringing more and more aspects of the organisation into it. Um, so one of the initial benefits that we've had from having found sustainability practices is um, reputation building and marketing on the back of that. Um, but then when you've got a strong business outcome from sustainability best practice that then enables you to tighten up your processes and bring more people into like developing new ideas, new ways of doing things um, and becoming stricter on that, um, which then for us, at least, I think this is probably the same for a lot of organisations that gives you a lot of internal benefits in terms of team building, in terms of shared purpose, in terms of enthusiasm for people coming to work. They're not just going to earn a dollar. They feel like they're part of something, um, which then enables you to look at it more closely it enables you to upskill your workforce because everybody's interested looking at it seeing the benefits and it becomes a virtuous circle so for us there are loads and loads of benefits from having gone down this pathway um yeah that's kind of like an overview i'd be interested to hear what everybody else thinks though with their they've got different and larger experience than me i'm happy to dive in <clears throat> i fundamentally agree with you and I, I want to come back to something you said earlier which i think is 
really important for people to understand. You use the word uh, inside out and uh, implied uh, outside in. So ESG is about risk understanding of the external risks from environmental, social and governance issues that could affect the value or performance of an organization. Where sustainability of an organization is how it affects the um, natural resource consumption, natural uh, systems and ecosystems, and at a planetary level, if you're going that far, how the systems work. Just let me once say, say one thing for a moment. The planet's in no danger. It will survive whatever humanity does to it and continue going on. So the issue is life as we know it on the planet, of which humanity is a species. Uh, and as a, the apex species, we are mostly going to be most affected by uh, climate change and the changes to the natural systems. So moving on from that, the the issue then with sustainability and ESG, ESG is looking at risks, and it doesn't always look at opportunities to improve. So what if I was going to do business with um, the port, I would want to make certain that the port is not going to in any way uh, have a negative reputation on me as part of my supply chain. But vice versa, the port would very much like to know that I'm not going to do the same to it. So it would do a responsible uh, due diligence on me as part of a um, uh, as part of its ESG, but that might not in address anything in sustainability. And so that's why we've picked this topic is that a lot of people think sustainability and ESG are the same. They're not. They are perhaps cousins. On a, on a good day. And I'm keen to hear, Melissa, if I've put words into your mouth that you're dissatisfied with, please take them out. But really, a lot of people are only going down ESG and they're never going to be sustainable. They're just going to be highly now, investable. I, I agree, um, Michael. I think um, one of the things that I've noticed and I'm, I'm sure others have as well is the, the terminology that's used. So um, hence why we've got this discussion going on about the difference between sustainability and ESG is that when job adverts go out um that because uh, a lot of organizations i think they they jump on um i am generalizing massively here but they jump on the bandwagon of the latest buzzword and so when you know you're advertising for an esg um type role is it actually esg or is it sustainability um advisor manager whoever it might be that you're looking for and then that also has a, a massive impact on the deliverables and what's in the job descriptions and and how that's perceived because i mean as an example um with the role that i came into as a newly created role and i think the the more aware an organization is in terms of what they want what the expectations are and what they see will be the the potential deliverables as a result of that role coming in is extremely important to um kind of driving the right agenda um, you know, is it sustainability or is it ESG? So the way I've approached it has been very much, okay, well, let's look at those three pillars, but you need the governance, you need the risk management, and you need all of that to understand what your material kind of risks are and factors within the organisation. Um, but from a sustainability lens, so I've, I've um, managed to, you know, kind of incorporate that sustainability within strategy albeit under the ESG banner. And I think that um, can cause a lot of um, confusion, especially amongst, you know, individuals who haven't previously been exposed to environmental sustainability um, kind of requirements, and it's all very new to them. 
And then they latch onto ESG. And when they look at ESG, it's very much financially driven kind of investors, like you're saying. Um, so to, for them to understand the difference um, is, is a bit of a hurdle already because they're looking at it from a different angle that you're trying to put the sustainability lens in within that terminology. So I don't know if I've just confused that. <laughs> but I, I think that's something that businesses and organizations should be careful of when they're looking for um kind of you know individuals to fulfill those roles what is it they're seeking to achieve um and if it's jumping on a bandwagon without fully understanding then um you you may be kind of set up to have a difficult journey um trying to deliver uh essentially the strategies excellent um i think we've picked up another area that me and astrid are just side talking about and that is some of the planetary uh, boundaries that are in there. Um, I'd like to dig in a little about those that affect your organization, obviously carbon being the one that everyone thinks of first, um, but bringing perhaps some of the others to uh, attention as well. I'll, I'll dive in and, and set it up and then hopefully the rest of you can add in some detail. So here's the good and the bad news. They're all interlinked. There's nothing that we can pull a thread out and say this we can address on its own. So the challenge around carbon leads to climate change via something called the greenhouse effect, uh, which we can look at, uh, but perhaps in another discussion. And so if you want to address uh, your carbon, or typically means it's going to require you to look at where your carbon is in your value chain or carbon or other greenhouse gases, and that's energy consumption and its um, uh, emission of anything that is global warming. So there isn't one way to start this. It really does require somebody with quite a spacious attitude to think about an organization like this. Let's start with the energy bills. Let's start there, but it's then going to go all over the organization. It's going to go to accounting, facilities management, procurement, and it becomes a, a really an interesting journey if you're into this. So one thing I will say is if people are curious by nature, sustainability is really a, a great career because there's never one answer. It's always an emergence and you can't solve it yet. So, yeah, that's how carbon starts relating to your business. Fantastic. Astrid, would you like to add? Yeah, I mean, I like talking about the planetary boundaries because it highlights um, the fact that we all know this. We all know that if, if you press one button when it comes to the ecosystem, you can get unintended consequences. Um, and the planetary boundaries is a really nice way of kind of summing that up to people. Um, so a lot of the conversation these days is about carbon footprinting, carbon accounting. So that's kind of like the ESG pressure that's coming in, which is across the board. Governments are asking people to do this. Stock exchanges are asking people to do this. But the answers that you have with your carbon footprint might affect other areas of sustainability um, that would be bad. So you might be able to get yourself a good ESG rating by simultaneously getting yourself a bad sustainability um, ban. Um, yep. So you, you might go to all renewables, you might not do anything about energy efficiency, and then your impact on novel entities is going to go up. Your impact on mining is going to go up, which leads to eutrophication and all this sort of business. So I guess, you know, for me, planetary boundaries is a really kind of good way of, of trying to get people to answer these questions that are being asked externally with a better understanding about what they're doing internally um, and trying to think about all the things that are going on and making the best decision 
the heart as well as head, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, thank you. Um, Melissa, forgive me for asking, but given the nature of your organisation, is there anything there from a real life example or uh, challenge you can bring to the forefront on the subject? Yeah, I think um, also kind of framing it again with um, what Michael was saying about the risk-based approach. Um, so of course, we've got, um, you know, the, the planetary boundary, boundaries are all interlinked, um, but you may have as an organisation more of an impact on some, which again, like you're saying, has that unintended consequence sometimes of impacting others. Um, so it's really, really key to look at what's material to the business and organisation, how you're having an impact both positively or negatively, as the case might be. Um, so going through a systematic process, which um, we we did do to, to essentially um, form the basis for the strategy. So the materiality assessment, which I'm not going to go into all the detail, but essentially it's like ranking those um, material um, impacts that the business may have on a variety of different um kind of areas, environment, social, governance related. Um, but in terms of the boundaries, there are two um, kind of core boundaries, and that's climate change and biosphere integrity. So um, the biosphere side of things, um, well, we, we've looked at um, biodiversity impacts. So we have a responsibility at Heritage Haven Authority to um, enhance the uh, the biodiversity value and of the the haven and ensure that we're not having a negative impact there. So some examples, um, well, are having projects that are either looking at um, research, um, uh, whether that's carbon sequestration or uh, the the net get biodiversity net gain, but for marine environments. So when there are um, development projects going on there's a requirement to start looking at okay well if you've impacted that area from a you know from a habitat perspective you need to enhance um another area by 10 percent gain on that biodiversity um kind of metric essentially to make sure that you haven't had a negative impact so some of the things that we're looking at um, Heritage Haven Authority are um, areas where we can um, either facilitate habitat creation. So we have a lot of dredge material to um, uh, ensure that we've got a safe navigable channel. And some of that material can potentially be beneficially placed um, in areas. So, for example, salt marsh creation and others which have a high um biodiversity value i see astrid's got a hand up so i'm um, yeah happy for you to chip in astrid um yeah it was more of a question for you guys um one of the things that interests me about my job is that um our department's job is to go and, and continuously educate ourselves on what best practice is how that evolves over time what we need to look at in terms of legislation what we could be doing better to michael's point on opportunities um but in amongst all that, we're tr struggling to keep something that's quite new, fresh and owned by the team. So quite a lot of what we're doing is trying to engage people and make them feel like that it's their project and allow giving them a framework and then allowing them to come to the table and make it work because otherwise it won't <laughs> in simple terms. Um, I mean, 
we've got a number of you know little things in our toolbox on there we've got a sustainability committee and uh, we've got the training which kind of brings people on board and gets people involved i'm really interested in what you guys do to engage people because you're doing it internally melissa and, and michael you're doing it externally on a massive scale because you're dealing with all these stakeholders and all these people so i'd really like to hear from you guys on how you do that how you kind of bring it all together michael did you want to go first yeah so as an advisor and consultant it's something which is really important is that see, we are able to um, galvanize support but also keep it going uh, and so part of it is one really simple word what's in it for them and that can be personal which they can take home and feel like they're doing a job that has meaning or it could be departmental budgets or corporate some things but it's really important for the whoever does whatever they're doing to be acknowledged it's the basics of a thank you and the thank you doesn't have to be much more than just a call out and a shout out and that really means that i've been acknowledged and i've not been ignored going one step further it's for leadership to look at how they take what we say the espoused values and make them enacted because what happens is people look to not what you're saying but what you're doing and if there's a disconnect between what you're saying and doing people go with what you're doing not you're saying so in order to create the culture it's up to leadership leadership and culture are two sides of the same coin so astrid where i'm heading to this it's empowering people to feel like they are doing stuff that's more than just useful and cost cutting that there is a return on effort not investment effort and they're rewarded that can be done in all different ways i'm happy to dive in more but it really does require uh there's a difference between managers and leaders and anybody can be a leader so it's finding the people who want to lead and and just giving them the the space to be beautiful and brilliant melissa i hope that chimes to what you're trying to do i'm sure it yes does. yeah but i think um yeah also i'd say there's like a multi-layered kind of approach um as well so and and i think there's also there's no linear way of doing any of this what i found um you know you, you you're dealing with people and at the end of the day everyone's different um so they react differently um but i think what i found in terms of the implementation and like you're saying like we're kind of getting people on board with the purpose element is certainly really key to sometimes you have to go down to what i'd consider like the the low hanging fruit or the things that i would just now think well that's basic that's what we should just be doing you know the recycling element or the waste you know that that um is an area that a lot of people really engage with and if you don't address some of the things that you might think are well that's kind of you know what we've been talking about 15 years ago <laughs> then you've lost people already so what i found is um you've you've got to deal with it at all levels so internally at that what we'd consider maybe the lower level of um kind of initiatives right through to engaging with external partnership um you know organizations charities others to help you um i know it sounds a bit cheesy but you're stronger together so you can't do it all and you might have a small team or no team so if you have your core areas that you know you need to focus on so for example biodiversity um uh, enhancement then you seek external stakeholders that have a similar um 
kind of ethos or areas that they're wishing to progress. And then you you form those external partnerships. But in terms of keeping the momentum, it's so critical. I mean, as soon as you've launched the strategy or the plan, you've got to keep feeding back to everybody at every level and um, and also measuring that success and the, the cold stuff, I suppose, as you will, because it's, you know, applying metrics. Um, but if, if you don't do that, then you do lose, lose people along the way. And, um, you've, you know, especially if you've put a lot of time and effort into launching something, you don't want that enthusiasm to dwindle. Um, so it's really key to get that, um, communication at the right level, um, empower people. So again, it comes back to top management and, um, kind of lower level management as well to ensure that they've empowered those individuals but also give ownership in terms of um putting people responsible for their their departments or areas where they've got um actual objectives that they need to deliver on that align to that strategy otherwise you'll um, just be doing it all for them which which um obviously isn't sustainable in the long run i think Given where we are with time left, you've gone into an area which is good, which is to have a look at um, the people impact on on that. And I think you've done a natural thing. It's obviously a part of defining your strategy is the people um, on there. And I think, you know, perhaps a comment of how you would get started. Astrid, maybe you can share an example of what you've been doing where you are. And then Michael, perhaps you can have a look because you get to, I, I like the fact you deal with lots of different organizations and frameworks. So you can look at it at perhaps a more wider, higher level in, in that sense. Astrid, over to you. Um, sorry, what was that? You want to know what, what our plans are next? I think, you know, the, how you measure the people impact of when you're setting this up or starting it off is, is a good thing to look. Where do you start with that? And, um, you know, is there an example of what you've had to do there over at TechBio? Um, yeah, I mean, people impact, uh, soft measurements are just enthusiasm, number of people who are coming with ideas, number of initiatives that are getting set up. Um, that's quite a, you know, janky one when it comes to ESG measurements, but it's kind of, it's, it's one that's quite easy to pick up on. Um, quantifiable measurements would be people that have gone through the training people who are becoming qualified um uh, also um number of people engaged with our charitable projects so we've got time off for volunteering policy so we'll be looking at how many people are taking that up how many hours have been spent on that um and then also how much we've got to celebrate that that's one of the things that I'm really keen on doing over the next bit is celebrating the wins that we do have um, and then sharing that with our teams. I quite like the idea of celebration because it, it adds in like uh, to the emotional bank of engagement that you have with employees, which is really important as leaders. Um, and no matter how small, if an idea is used, you know, always getting that thank you in because it'll trigger more ideas or more enthusiasm in that way. There's a great saying that, they'll never be as motivated as day one, you know, and you've got to keep that motivation where there's a natural wean down uh, on it on that side. Interesting. Yeah. And to Michael's point before, you know, saying thank you and keeping that and, and the fact that leadership can come from anywhere and celebrating that. I think those are, you know, those are things that we have done in the past and I'd like to do more of because it's people are amazing. 
people's ideas are amazing. So, Melissa, you want to add? Yeah, just just a very quick one. Um, yeah, on on that kind of recognizing people's ideas, it's so it's absolutely um, integral to to the success. I think I agree, and um, because you've got somebody with that idea, and either they realize it or somebody can help them realize that, and giving them the credit for that idea. Um, because yeah, we're, the amount of stuff that's come up from our employees um, has been fantastic, and um, I couldn't have thought of half of the stuff that that's cropped up on my own so um yeah uh, i think that's a really great point to make fantastic michael so uh, going back to where we started which is the difference between esg and sustainability we've mostly been speaking about sustainability because i assume um, that we're all sustainability professionals and we're not coming from an investment perspective or a banking or financial perspective. Um, I would suggest people start and look at the ESG requirements for their sector, because those are the material issues. But please don't stop there, because those are the only bits they're going to start doing the risk reduction, but they're really not that exciting. Once you've got those sorted, then please, can we get move on to the sustainability things that really um, are a lot more heart than mind? And so you, you need to do both. And every organization, whatever size you are, and I work for organizations from 12 people to $6 billion, they all have the same issue, is once we've got this written up, how do we get the people, the real people, to animate this, bring it to life? And that requires uh, engagement. You can't do it on your own. None of us can. Thank you. Good. Can I thank everyone for their time today? Um, and your contribution, I find it a fascinating subject. And obviously, it's not necessarily just starting on one, um, but one can lead, you know, further to to the other. So, for example, ESG um, are a lot of factors you may need to consider in the here and now. But sustainability, when you go above and beyond that, will really help you focus and change where your business or you personally want to be. Side. May I have one more comment? So a lot of, of people think that sustainability costs money. I'm not doubting that anything you do in your business costs money, but there are quite a few studies that show an intriguing link between business performance and sustainability performance uh, and I, across uh, listed and non-listed companies. And the simplest explanation is if you've got your ESG and sustainability working, then you actually have well-managed risk managed an opportunity identifying organization that you're trying to do more with less so less resource consumption and if you get all of that right you're going to be a better performing business i oh, the idea of that was good good thank you everyone astrid any closing comments um yeah sorry i'm conscious of time but yeah just to applaud what michael's just said and also say that there are a load of um added benefits for small organizations as well in terms of publicity and you know things that you can't buy you know you've got a good sustainability practice there's huge benefits there of punching above your weight and we see that a lot in in choice of employer with individuals more and more individuals want a more sustainable employer so you know adding that value to the brand and being aware of it rather than um, an asset that you're not aware of is, is, is a great thing to do melissa any closing comments? Um, I'd probably just like to add as well, just in terms of the ESG and sustainability field, that it's it's both hugely rewarding to to be um, kind of driving 
sustainable business practices um but it's also extremely challenging um but it's it's just really um i I suppose something's also to add that you don't have to be a technical genius um to to work in the field you you need to be able to win hearts and minds and um and influence and there's a lot of softer skills that you really do need if you're going to make it um a success so um yeah just wanted to add that in before we end the podcast i'd like to say thanks so much to all our guests for sharing their thoughts in today's conversation once again our guests on today's podcast have been astrid win rogers at tech buyer dr michael nates at multiverse consultants and melissa wellings at harwich haven port authority if you are hiring for new or looking for a new role Feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution, or if you or if anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message too. I am Drew Percival, and you can find me on LinkedIn or email me at drew.percival at evolutionjobs.co.uk, or visit us at evolutionjobs.com. Thanks again to all our guests, and thank you for listening. We hope you can join us next time.